everybody. Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having in the agency. I'm Peter Ujicic, Head of Technology at Situation. And today I've got two wonderful guests joining me in the studio. Uh, Mark Seeley, our Brand Engagement Supervisor. Hello, Mark. Hello there. And we also have Stephanie Chandra, our Senior Creative Strategist, who is back for her second appearance on Inside Situation. Hello, Steph. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. Uh, I'm really uh, excited about the conversation that we're about to dive into. Uh, but before we, we kick off, uh, can you guys briefly describe what it is you do at Situation? Mark, let's start with you. I'm the brand engagement supervisor, so I oversee the essentially the social media department here at Situation. So I make I work with my team to make sure that we are engaging with all of our communities and pushing out all the content on time and accurate, or as accurate as humanly possible. Um, so in a nutshell, that's what I do. And I, I would venture to say that that's an aspect of one of the things we do here at the agency that has only grown and grown over the past several years. Was yeah, that accurate? very much so. We currently have a team of three full-time and one part-time, but we are going to grow by at least one very shortly. So it's exciting. It's a very exciting time. Yeah. Awesome. And Steph, can you give an idea of what you as a creative strategist do here at Situation? Sure. So as a as a creative strategist, it's sort of our job in conjunction with our client services team and our media team to really form the nu- uh, the nuclear family, I guess, of how we tell our brand stories across the digital landscape and how we problem solve for them. Um, so whenever our clients come to us with some sort of challenge that they're facing, or maybe there's an opportunity that we've noticed in the data that we see because we get a plethora of data that come through our walls every day. Um, it's up to us to figure out what do we do with that and how do we, um, I guess, pass the baton forward and really make success stories for our clients. I, I like that metaphor of the nuclear family. You're kind of assembling the right family given the opportunity to, you know, what can dad do? What can brother do? And kind of help to take advantage of an opportunity. Exactly. So uh, the the conversation at hand today that I wanted to pick you guys, your guys' brains about collectively uh, it was a little bit of a spinoff from uh, we, we did an event recently at the Rubin where we, we talked a little bit about uh, social influencers. Uh, Jeremy from our account team, you know, ca- kind of talked about the landscape of brands that are working with uh, or influencers in the industry who have big followings on social media, who can associate themselves with your brand and kind of bring some cred to your brand and or the risks involved with that of, you know, what happens if that celebrity has a bad day? What does that do if they've linked themselves to your brand? And it kind of got us started on a conversation about social media in general and in the workplace and in the agency and about the the blurred line between the personal life versus the work life and, and the truths and the shaded truths that we all kind of present as we work together. And, and uh, I think it, on some level, uh, we, we because we are such a collaborative agency, we we believe in promoting uh, doing things rather than having things, and and kind of that event based mentality. We we walk the walk and we talk the talk, and we have a lot of people that are very active on social, and then we see them every day, and a lot of them are our friends, and we see them see what they're doing over the weekends, and there's a lot of transparency. There aren't there. I'd say the walls are different than maybe they used to be. And I really would just love to kind of get into that with you guys and 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 ask the question, am I the only one who has a little bit of cognitive dissonance with that? Or or is it just the new norm and we're all we're all in this new world where 
you know, it's not my resume that tells you what I'm like to work with. It's it's my Facebook profile and my Twitter, everything that I've tweeted over the last 10 years. How what do you guys struggle with that at all? Uh, or is it just me? I have I've don't really separate my work life from my personal life very much. Like everyone kind of knows what I'm up to, who my friends are, who my husband is. But then I know some people at the office who keep a very distinct, like, I'm here to work. I'm friendly and friend with friends, but, like, you don't need to know what I do on the weekend. To, to quote many a uh, reality TV star, I'm not here to make friends. I mean, that, that's not, <laughs> maybe not the case, but they, they, they're, they're work friends. They're work friends. Yeah. Or right. they are – they just don't share a lot of personal stuff, which is totally fine and probably way more appropriate. <laughs> but um, I think that it's how I and most people probably make – work feel better because it's more it just becomes more personal when i can go to staff and be like saw you at the beach like how was the beach or right. she was like so i saw you like at a rooftop and <laughs> acting shameless so <laughs> <laughs> we spend more time with the people we work with than sometimes the people we live with exactly you know it's at least more conscious time uh so you know i think those relationships are very important and you know one of the points of this whole podcast is to talk about the culture that we cultivate here. What, what is it that makes us want to spend this much time with one another? And I think knowing something about your coworkers is a big piece of that. Um, Steph, do you, what, what's your thoughts on it overall? I feel like I go through phases. Um, I used to make a joke, you know, when I graduated college, I, that was probably the height of my social media usage. And mm. when I started working at Situation, I was on, I was doing social in a business capacity, which I think is sometimes interesting that people don't realize just because you're an excellent Instagrammer doesn't mm. mean you are an excellent business objectives Instagrammer. That if I, you know, I stopped posting for a while and one of my friends said to me, is everything okay? You haven't posted in a while, which is a weird sentence in and of itself, but when you spend all day in Facebook for a brand, the last thing I wanted to do when I got home was then be on Facebook for myself. Oh, yeah. So I think it's sort of that um, I go through phases where that happens a little bit. Uh, but then there are times where, you know, a lot of us commute and what you're doing during that time, you're usually glued to your phone, whether it's a subway, NJ Transit, a ferry. That's kind of our time to do that. Um but I'm in the same camp as Mark a little bit that I am a fairly transparent person. The way I am on social, I think, is the way I am in real life, or at least pretty close to it. And I'm an open book. I mean, I think the lines got super crossed when my cousin got hired here. So it's pretty much all a family business <laughs> for me. Um, but I do. I love that familiarity of if somebody says to me, you know, oh, I saw you guys had a barbecue this weekend. How was that? That means they care and that somebody's going out of the going out of their way and taking time out of their day to have a personal connection with me. Right. Um, and I, I think it almost makes our work better sometimes. It's no pressure to have to be that way, but it's easier to ask hard questions or meet hard deadlines or ask a favor when you feel like you have a relationship and you're sort of in the trenches together. Um, well, and you bring up a really good point that I think for, for a lot of people who don't work in the industry that we do uh, and, and aren't so plugged in for our jobs to you know, what, how do we use social media? It is a very personal medium. It is something that I think anything, even from the early days of SMS, that was always a very personal private. This is coming, this is a conversation between me and my close friends who, who have, I've given this intimate pass into my life by, by giving them access to my phone. Uh, do you, do you think that that's one of the reasons that s use of social media by brands 
is is as popular as it is because we're taking advantage of the fact that in our lizard brains we still see it as a very personal medium. Is it a way for a brand to get a personal connection, a shortcut to somebody's personal feelings and and their raw emotions rather than a billboard or a TV commercial? Uh, oh, I think for sure. I think the minute a brand starts engaging with someone, even to the point of just like favoriting a tweet or like liking an Instagram photo, a lot of doors open because it is like, wow, the, the color purple liked my photo from the show. That it, it must mean that the photo's good or they like the fact that I was there or just opens up the conversation. They just know I exist. They just know, yeah. yeah. I And like one time the Empire State Building, like one of my Instagrams, and I know it's someone like me in a room doing it, but it's still like, oh, wow, like they – they probably get hundreds of photos a day and they liked mine. Like, that's cool. Like them, they must have found something that they liked about it. Mm-hmm. So I do definitely think it allows there to be a, a much more personal touch and connection than walking by an ad for the empire state building or those people on the streets trying to sell tickets to the empire state building. Right. So that certainly doesn't feel very, <laughs> right. That person that just comes up to everyone on the street and is very aggressive. That doesn't feel personal at all. That right. It's very, so when you have a brand that talks to you like a human, <laughs> that is, it just makes you feel more comfortable. Well, and I think brands sometimes get a bad rap too, because then it's like, oh, you're you're posing as a, a brand is trying to be a person so they could be friends with their consumers. And that sort of feels a little icky. And I think that really the reality is social media allows it to be a two-way street. And for me, like... I still am the person. I buy DVDs and I buy Blu-rays because I love the director commentary. I love the behind-the-scenes features, and I love to I love to take something that I love and go even deeper into what that world looks like and what that mythology looks like. And social media allows people to do that. Where if I love, um, I don't even know what's a good example of it, but if I let's say I love Game of Thrones and I want to see, I want to hear. Um, Kit talk about what it's like to play Jon Snow. I can go to their Facebook page, find that video, and send it to Lisa in our op- on our operations billing team because I know she loves Game of Thrones. And there are people who who love those things, and it, that wasn't a world that was accessible, really. I mean, it was to some degree because there were behind the scenes DVDs, there were events like Comic Con, but this sort of broadens mm-hmm. the accessibility of you to your favorite things, and I can like it outside of the one hour that I spend watching it once a week. Um, well, you, you bring up a good point. I think in the early days of Facebook, before there could be pages for brands or businesses, everybody was treated as a person, you know, and then I think that there were, as it evolved, there was definition as to what does it mean to be a brand on this platform? What does it mean to be something that is a corporately aff- affiliated versus a human being or your aunt or your sister? Uh, and and I, I do want to talk, we'd be remiss if we didn't speak for a minute about the announcement that Facebook specifically just made recently about how they're going to lessen the presence of brands or publishers in all of our news feeds uh, in deference to more information from friends and family. What do you guys feel about that as working in the industry, as as people whose job it is to make sure that that brand message is getting in front of people? What, are, are we freaking out? Should we be? What's going on? I think it kind of challenges brands to, because this is just the next wave and something that I think Facebook's been trying to do for a long time, um, which is just enforce the idea of, you know, not to use the old school phrase of content is king, but really enforce quality content that people actually care about. Because the reality is, 
let's say, you know, Coca-Cola posts something, it might not come up in Mark's feed from Coca-Cola, but if I see it and it is something that I find exciting enough and intriguing enough, I'm going to share it and then Mark will see it because it is coming from his friend. And I think it's just an added layer of really challenging brands to make something not just for the sake of putting up a Facebook post, but something that actually is a message worthwhile of being seen. Um, And it also forces them to figure out uh, and really lean into what is what the true connection is and why people have cared to like their page to begin with. No, I definitely agree with Stephanie. But like personally, I think like especially the mobile algorithm lately has been I've not been liking it very much um, just because I, I do get a lot of my news and stories from Facebook. And now it's I see I feel like I see just the same like 10 people's posts all the time. Mm-hmm. Um so, and I know that's just kinks and they'll work that out, but I do think it just pushes people to really develop, hopefully stronger, more interesting and engaging content. So I think it's a challenge. I think we'll work through it. I think we'll have to work with our, um, you know, clients to make sure that they under- fully understand what it, um, what is happening. So we can just post everything. But I also, I, I mean, Facebook isn't like their business, so they're not going to totally shun out um, right. business because that's their you know money maker. But I think um, hopefully, I just personally I hope that they don't push everything out because I actually like getting my news clips from there. And then professionally, I think that it would just allow us to create better content in the end. Are, do you think that by making the changes that they are, that they're making a statement about truthfulness? In content, where are, are they? Are they essentially saying we know brands hire marketers to say whatever is going to paint that brand in the best light, and so we are we we are allowing that to exist, but we are giving it less weight than something you know my uh, cute picture of my nephew. Are they making a value judgment mm. against that? Do you think one would argue that like you know there's always those like kind of spammy type websites that you click on and it's just like a bunch of ads and they're just trying to get it's like all that clickbait material um like the cod grade buzzfeeds um but i i mean the cynical side of me is like no they just want people to do promoted posts like that's the cynical side of me is like no like in order for that content to be seen they want you to pay for it well that that's very (laughs) interesting so so it's they're being uh incentivized by saying you know what brand You've had a free free ride long enough. You're not a person. You know, if you want this premium content, if you want premium placement, you're going to have to pony up. Yeah, that's 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 my thought process in it. Yeah. Well, that uh, I mean, I what I like about the fact that the social media networks and I think they took this page from Google, uh, you know, in the development of of the search, you know, their search algorithms over the years, they don't ever want to. They're constantly making changes to keep brands on their toes because they don't ever want to be the place where somebody just games it to the point where it's the, the, you know, I, what I love about what Google does in relation to search engine optimization is they, they really do. They jump through a lot of hoops to say, no, no, no just make great content. Mm-hmm. Don't you. Okay. Yeah. You found this trick that works on the algorithm. You know what? We're going to take that away. So you, it, it kind of forces brands to take an honest look and say, you know, the best strategy is just say what's best about you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you you may find a loophole that works for a little bit, but you know what? There's we've got five thousand engineers on our side that are going to close that door pretty quickly. So if you want to play in our sandbox, just be genuine, just be honest. 
Well, I think it's it's all about transparency as well, because in addition to the algorithm updates, one of the updates they've done recently is um, they know that there are a lot of whether it's influencers um, from a niche perspective or partnerships and endorsement from a larger scale, like Lady Gaga level perspective. They've made it so you have to be you have to identify that these are partner in conjunction with opportunities, which I actually don't think is a bad thing, because the reality is consumers are more and more aware that they're being advertised to. And it's not that they get advertised to that it's a problem. It's that it's sort of trying to act like it's not advertising where they would just rather you say um, American Express with Coca-Cola created this video. And that because it's not that that's the issue. The issue is when it feels like there's a like a sneaky second right. motive behind it. Yeah. It's like so, if I had a video and I was like, I love my new Nike Air Force Ones. Right. But Nike paid me for it. You have to <laughs> right. You have to make that distinction that this is a clear partnership between me and Nike. But the way they, they've done it, I actually really like, because now you can post a video that maybe it's you going for a 15-second run, and that's all that you show because they've created a framework that allows you to say, Mark Seeley with Nike, and that covers it, and then you can actually focus on the video itself versus having to add in Nike logos all over the place or in the copy and things like that. Well, in the event that we just did, Jeremy talked about an example from Andy Cohen, I think it was, where a razor company, was it on Instagram? I forget. But it was exactly what you were just describing, Steph. It was so transparently uh, disgusting, I think, in a way. He just, he spoke in a way that was completely unnatural about how he loved his razor. And and I think... I'm still trying to figure out if he was winking, like who who was playing who in that scenario. But I do have to think that Andy Cohen's reputation, such as it was with the, the audience that he cultivated, prob- must have taken a hit. Or is it? Or do we just live in a society now where it's just like, eh, that's just Andy Cohen being, you know, cashing a check and it's fine. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's a lot of it. Those of the now famous Scott Disick. Dis- I was just going to say that, that Disick. Disick. He is um, famous for, uh, for dating one of the Kardashians. And he posted on Instagram uh, a paid, like, sponsored post. But it was, like, the copy essentially read, when you post the, when you post the photo, please use the copy below. And then the copy <laughs> below. So he essentially just copy and pasted the email into, too much of it. Yeah, into the copy box and hit enter without even thinking – or reading it. So right, I don't think, right. I mean, chances are, I'm sure um, Andy Cohen probably never even saw that post. Like, I, I'm sure he didn't even hit send. Well, he posed for the photo. He posed for the photo. The razor. Right. <laughs> but that's true. But I doubt, I wonder if you, one would think that, I don't even know if you ever saw the copy. Yeah. I also think it's sort of in the grand scheme of things considered a minor offense. Um, there were definitely comments on that post that were like, Andy, what are you doing? This is so weird. Um, but the reality is he posted a photo maybe two hours after that, maybe two days, whatever the interval may be, and kind of return to your regularly mm-hmm. scheduled programming, which is weird to say in regards to social, right. but it's true. And the just the 24-7 content cycle allows a little bit of forgiveness Right. As well, especially on a platform like Instagram, where the mm-hmm. algorithm, at least as of right now, though they're also becoming a little Facebooky at the time, was not you weren't getting um, negative points for content that might have not landed the way you wanted it to. Whereas Facebook has always been the mm-hmm. one to you know they've been very transparent about 
if like we seed your post out to a small group of people, if they don't respond, we're not going to see it anymore. That's just the reality of the way it works. So I think there's just a little bit more caution taken in that respect. Well, and it's also like why <clears throat> it would be no different if Andy Cohen did a commercial for Gillette and no one would question his motives for doing a commercial for Gillette. But And I think it goes back to your question earlier about it being a personal connection with fans because now that it's on his personal page, all of a sudden people are like, why are you doing this? This isn't you. But no one would question it if they saw it on TV. Right. So I think it goes back to being like, my, but like Andy, like I know you and this isn't, right. this why, isn't would you do why would you do this when a commercial, no one would question it. Well, but, do you think there's an arms race for the even better personal? Okay, so if our phones aren't our, our sanctuary anymore of that personal relationship, for whatever reason, influencers. So now Snapchat, it becomes personal because now it disappears. Now it vanishes and it has an even shorter shelf life. So it's only in your eyeballs. There is no record or archive of it. So that's the new place to go if you want a really personal connection. Although, as we all know, there's lots of advertising there too. Um, I don't know if Snapchat's necessarily the place to go for a new personal connection. I think it's definitely less filtered than some of the other things. Um, and it's a little bit more freeform and a little bit more fun. But I think what's interesting about your Mark's analogy, and I'm sorry, I apologize for backtracking, but we have conversations a lot about relationships, which is where part of our event came from. And had that post gone up on Gillette's channel over Andy Cohen's, it probably would have done better. And as people are becoming more and more sophisticated in the understanding of influencers and how they work, it's less about the follower count that does come into account, but that's not the main objective. It's there are things and companies mm. that are thriving on being able to tell you they have X amount of followers and here's more about their followers so that the audience is more predisposed to care about what you're saying. And then it's not as abrasive, but maybe the people who are following Andy on Instagram don't really care about, you know, shaving or whatever it is. Um, we talk a lot about right. that with Facebook Live partnerships, too, mm-hmm. is is this, okay, we're going to do a Facebook Live. Is this better off living on the client's channel, the partner channel? Who's, like, who's the broadcaster? Who's the sharer? Who, those, I think that question is becoming more and more important, and right. it's about whose who's audience is most receptive to it and then letting everybody else amplify it. It could be the exact same message, but the channel could make all the difference. And 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 I think to your point, Mark, it's acceptable to say, oh, I like Andy Cohen. I'm seeing him endorse something on Gillette's channel. That that puts one perception in my mind of like, oh, somebody I like likes that thing versus somebody I like is now in, you know, who I'm used to hearing and, you know, tell jokes to me on via social is now trying to sell me a product. I feel like like if your mom came to your door and said, honey, you need to buy this Tupperware. It's like, mom, we don't have, you don't, you know, and shout out to all of our moms, including mine. Um, You know, but, but it's, it's uh, yeah, the, the, the message could be the same, but the delivery place could be the deciding factor. So I I think, you know, one of the things that we do here at Situation to to pivot into this a little bit is, uh, you know, oftentimes, and Mark, you just did this yesterday, you sent out an email to the team asking them, you know, send your photos uh, of what you did over the July 4th holiday, send them my way, and we're going to promote them on on our social, our agency social feeds. Uh, Why do we do that? I, I like that we do that. But why, from your point of view, why is that something that we care about? I think the reason why we do it is just to give a more personal touch to the situation, the brand, to show people 
who we are as a company um, into because a lot of people don't meet the clients day to day or face to face and give add a little personal touch to us. You know, we're not just the people who create the presentations and go to the meetings or create the web banners. We also have these magnificent lives outside of the office that we really want to showcase and to highlight that we all have these great experiences when we're out of the office and give people a taste of that. And I think it it, it gives when someone's going to the situation channels for, let's say, the first time or just checking in or maybe you're curious about a job, they see something like that. And I think it makes them see like, oh, wow, this this audit, this office is really cool. And it's right. really, they have, they all do a lot of fun things. And and for a place that kind of stresses the importance of community and, and having experiences and doing things outside uh, of life, because that's, that's one of the greatest rewards you can get is, is actually having those experiences. We actually, we're walking the walk and talking the talk. Exactly. We, we have people here who think that that is important as well. So if you work with us, you know, we're, we're talking out of both sides of our mouth consistently. Right. And I think it, I mean, there are a lot of things that are true and fantastic about situation. No, this is not an ad. I'm not getting paid to say this, but I can verify she's not getting paid to say this. Please um, go on. But the, if the first thing that people learn about situation and the, one of the things that they remember and value most is doing is greater than having. And that, that is the truth of everything that situation is from the clients we work on to the people we hire, to the way we bond and socialize as a company and as a team that, that is just the heartbeat and the pulse of everything we do. So we wouldn't necessarily like there is no other question that we could or should ask and no other thing that we could or would be posting because we all do believe that we value those experiences. And this is just a manifestation of something that's ingrained in the people who work here and the things that we do. If, if you discover that a coworker or a client uh, doesn't have a presence on social media, does that trigger something? Do you think about that in a certain way? Does that color what you think about that person now? I mean, I mean, clients, <laughs> maybe not so much, uh, depending on, uh, you know, how old they are or the interest level in, in uh, interactive. But with a coworker or it doesn't trigger something. It's, it sounds like it does ask a question. Though. Yeah, it does. I think so. I, and there might be a plethora of, of answers to that question. But I do think I would wonder, like, why mm-hmm. or and I think that we are all now, everyone at this agency is at an age now, um, and we're all still, <laughs> uh, everyone's still like pretty much millennial age for the majority of the... Uh, Ish. Ish. Yeah. The, uh, the majority of the office, I would say. And, but we're all there, we're like, there should be really nothing to hide on social, really, because we're all, we're all older, we're all mature, we all work hard, play hard, so it's not like... We, I don't. That's why I was like, "What is it a high?" Do you think we've moved past the phenomenon of? Because I think you do hear a lot of, or maybe you used to hear, and I'm curious to to get your sense on where we are now with it. That somebody can shoot themselves in the foot from an opportunity at a workplace because they didn't hide something on social. Have we? Have we all just <laughs> marinated in it long no. enough that we all know everybody screws up? I I wouldn't say that. I would I would think that it's not you should just limit what you say on social for work purposes because I mean we all know that story of that uh PR person who went to Africa and tweeted that uh 
rather insensitive tweet about not getting AIDS because he was white. And then she turned off her phone for 17 hours and the internet blew up. So like this, like that, you should just always, you should always think before you type. And we tell this to all of our clients. We tell this to all of like the cast and teams we work on. We um, just like, if you don't say anything that might be offensive or stupid or emotional, like, there's a lot of things you can, you know, we're living in a very emotional climate right now. And you can say things that you might not, you might say something that's meant to be in jest or that was just out of frustration and you don't really mean it. But like perception is all lost on social because people can't read tone. So I don't think we're out of the woods of like, oh, people just make mistakes. It's just like people just, I think the majority of people are just more careful or you should be more careful. Well, and I think the reality is, and Mark, you talked about this a little bit earlier about how you use social and anybody can use social, that ultimately it's a choice. Every platform set up to different degrees of what you can see and what you can't see. And you're in full control of that. If you want it to be that people can only see your name and your username, that's all you can see. So if you have a concern, because I, I personally hate to think that. So being on social media is a way of self, is a means of self-expression. And to think being, you can't be a professional and be uncensored on social media, I think is kind of a tricky situation. Um, but I think there are tools in place that it's up to you to decide how much or how little you want to disclose. And you just need to know based on the choices that you make that there people will see things. So if you are ever concerned, like I know a lot of my friends are teachers, they end up just locking their entire profiles because it's, it's just, they don't want students to stumble right. across them, things like that. Um, Comes where, with the territory of the right. profession. Um, but I also think I know even like when we're hiring people, I like to look at social media to get a just full picture of them because as a human and not just as their professional person, because if all you do is tweet ad week links, which I mean, they have great articles, but I don't, right. I, I, one of the best things about situation is everybody has passion outside of the industry and the positions we work in at the agency. So I want to be able to see that color of people. I think Katrin, this is another thing we were talking about earlier that Katrin, one of our account supervisors is like the best tweeter on the planet and the perfect mix of like passion, professional and personal. It's, I I don't know how she does it. It's why she's super smart, but you know, busy Koi, who's been on the podcast, she's another one. There's sort of, I, I look for that 360 bit of a person because there's so much of what makes us who we are to I just feel like a lot of effort to say, like, this is my Twitter personality. This is my Instagram personality. That will happen naturally, but that... I think, like, I think that does happen. Because, like, if you look at my, like, my personal platforms, they're, they're starkly different. But because I just use, like, Facebook is clearly, like, with my friends and family. My Instagram is more, like, my artistic side, if you will. And, like, I am no Ansel Adams. But, like, I, like, I have a very strong point, like, where I rarely post photos of people. I just, it's mainly, and then like I have a Twitter thing, which is probably more newsy and not political, but definitely more current eventy and pop culture-y. And then I have Snapchat, which is all the leftovers. But, um, so I do think that like you can learn a lot by looking at people's, um, different platforms because it's funny, like people just end up using them for different things. Well, and that, that kind of echoes a conversation we had on the last episode of our podcast, which was our anniversary episode and we kind of talked about why do we podcast and where we came to. And I, I thought, you know, you could see Damien's wheels turning a little bit in the course of it. And we, we kind of came to the realization that, you know, 
what is a what is, what can the podcasting medium offer and how does that supplement what we do every day and we kind of talked about how it could be a place to ask questions or start big conversations that might then get followed up in the magazine or in a, one of our full agency events so i think now that there are more opportunities you can kind of silo like exactly like you said mark my instagram is for my artistic side and that's where i share that uh, so I think as we have more options, it is it enables us to get a fuller picture or give a fuller picture of who we are, depending on what, what tools we're using. Well, I, I thank you guys so much. But before we go, I want to get – do you have any interest in sharing with our listening audience any one of your social handles? Oh, my goodness. No is a perfectly reasonable thing to say. But well, I'm after this curious. conversation, we can't say no. We just <laughs> will find it if they want to. But I, if you guys want to, it's not something we typically do on the podcast, but please. My Instagram is mseely, S as in Sam, E-E-L-E-Y. And that's, it's just my first initial last name. And they won't see pictures of people. But they, they won't they'll see. They'll see a few waterfalls in the last few days. Um, and then my Twitter is mdseely. D is in David. <laughs> is that your middle name? Yeah. Fun fact. <laughs> um, I have a similar format across the board. Um, I'm S Chandra. So I'm going to also spell that because it's really tricky. Uh, but yeah, it's S S C I A N D R A. And that's basically every platform. I've locked down the consistency <laughs> of the same identity, um, nice. which is unique. Sometimes that we struggle unique. with our clients yes. to make sure they're all the same, but you yeah, have, I have. do a lot of travel stuff too, though. I think that's what Instagram ends yeah. up being. And my whole goal with Instagram is to fill up my map, the Instagram map. That's true. That's like a big goal. Right. Well, so. and I feel like um, a lot of people can relate to this, but if you're ever looking for NJ Transit commuting sympathies, that ends up being my Twitter personality. So I'm apologizing in advance. <laughs> cranky commuter? Is that... Not necessarily cranky, but if you're ever stuck on a train, the first place I look is Twitter. They usually know before anybody else. And then it just makes the wait a little bit more pleasant because you get to, there's like a camaraderie. It's kind of fun. Hey, you're not in it alone. Exactly. Well, I, you know, obviously we want our listeners to follow our agency Instagram feeds at situation on Twitter. As situation, I think, across the board as well. Across the board. Uh, I, my social media network of choice is, is Twitter. I'm at Yajisik, uh, if anybody cares to check me out there. Guys, thank you so much. This has been super fun. Uh, to you, our listeners, please, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get a fuller picture of your identity, your truths, your artistic side. Send us feedback at podcast at situation.myc if you want to send us an email. Uh, otherwise, tune in in a couple of weeks and we will speak with you again. Thank you, guys. Thank you Thanks, so Peter. much.